0: Alright, welcome back to RUF. Really glad you're here. That might be the coolest version of Come Thy Fount that I've ever heard. I don't know about you. I thought it was awesome. So, uh, If you have your Bible, to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 8 through 11. We're going to continue our study tonight through the Ten Commandments. Let me remind you, if this is your first time to RUF, really glad you're here. We want to be a safe place for you, wherever you are, whatever you're struggling with. Uh, Whether you're convinced or unconvinced of Christianity, uh, we want to welcome you and hope that we give you the space to figure out what you believe. Uh, We are studying this semester the Ten Commandments. Tonight we come to commandment number four, which is the longest of all of the commandments, but it's probably the one that is the most ignored. Okay? And so let me read Exodus 28-11. If you don't have your Bible, you can look on the announcement sheet in front of you. It'll have the text printed, this is God's Word. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor Father, we come tonight, uh, and again, we want to continue to pray for our uh, country and our campus. Uh, Quite honestly, Lord, things feel chaotic um, to me, and probably to a lot of us in here. And we feel helpless. We don't know what to do. We're angry. We're sad. We're frustrated. We're apathetic. Lord, we're coming from lots of different places and we need your help. And so we cry out to you. We do the only thing we know to do and that is ask you to come, Jesus, and heal us, heal our country, um, reconcile us to one another, Uh, come. And we just ask for your help uh, tonight to bring unity uh, out of chaos. Father, we also just acknowledge that we come to your word and we need help there as well. We cannot understand this in our own strength. And so, Spirit, open up our eyes, give us hearts uh, to to see this passage and to hear it. Convict us and challenge us in the ways that we don't rest and in the ways that we don't take our work seriously. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Is that feedback? Y'all hear that? I have no idea what that is, so if anybody knows anything about sound, (laughs) and that is coming from the speakers, um, or, I don't know, it sounds like a hairdryer, kind of, spoken from someone who lives in a house with all girls, so um, I hear that a lot. Uh, let uh, Let me begin this way. We live in a world of rhythm. Okay, think about that. All around us, all of the time, is rhythm. Think about what I mean. Just think about that just for a second. Uh, The sun came up today. The sun went down. Uh, That'll happen tomorrow. That will happen the next day and the next day after that. We live in a world of rhythm. Think about the seasons. We've got fall, it's winter and spring and summer. And the next year, we will have fall and winter and spring and summer. There's birth and there's life and there's death. Rhythms all around us. Uh, You think about your break, like if you're on Christmas break for six weeks and you don't come back for winter session or you're off for the whole summer or you're on vacation, you hear people at the end of those breaks, and I hear it as you're coming back, and maybe you have even said this yourself, it was a great break, but I'm really looking forward to what? Getting back into a schedule. Getting back into a routine. You see, rhythm is all around us. It's a part of our world, and we see it in the fourth commandment that there are certain rhythms that you and I have that we're built for. It's part of our DNA. It's part of uh, what makes us human. And the rhythm is six days we work, one day we rest. And when we hear that rhythm and honor it, it brings great blessing to our lives and we thrive. When we ignore that, then it's to our detriment. It leads to dysfunction in our lives, and we end up feeling very beat down. And so tonight, two things. The rhythms of work and the rhythm of rest. Let's look at both of those. Let's look at first the rhythm of work. It's there on your outline. And what's interesting, you might say, well, this is about, when I think of the Fourth Commandment, that's all about rest, Sabbath rest, and what it means to rest on the Sabbath. But notice where the commandment starts. This is often overlooked and ignored. Look at verse 9. God mentions the other six days of the week in the commandment. He says six days you should work. Yes, this is actually part of the fourth commandment, but it's often overlooked. Look, our duty to work. Now, does that mean to work all day, every day? No, but it does mean this, that God has governed your work, but He's also governed your rest as well. And so in this Sixth Commandment, we see, or this Fourth Commandment, we see God calling us that he, and telling us that He has given us six whole days for us to honor our earthly calling. And people, very generally, I would say, have a poor view of work. A poor, maybe we would say, theology of work. And I think it's very important for where you are in your life as a college student. You're working, you're a full time student, but you will work, you will move out into the workplace and into corporate America or whatever it is that you do. It's important that you have a biblical, that I at least share with you, and to some degree, a biblical understanding of work. What does the Bible say about work? I think that's very important, and, so, and it's part of this commandment. And so let's look at work just for a second. Can we say everything about work? No, or we wouldn't say anything. So let me just briefly kind of give you a theology uh, of work. And the first thing I would say is this. Work is good and is a fundamental human need. Work is good and it is a fundamental human need. Go all the way back to creation. In Genesis chapters 1 through 3. Before the fall, remember chapter 3, it's the fall of man into sin. At that point in the world, everything was blown to bits in a sense. And never things have not worked right since that time in chapter 3. But here's what I want to draw your attention to. Work was instituted by God before that. Work was instituted by God when the world was right and perfect and good. And so God gave us work. And here's what that means, is that your work is actually a good thing. Work is good. And we instinctively often think about work as being a basic evil. I've even heard people say, when you go to heaven, we won't be working. We'll just be you know, playing harps and singing in a choir. Doing nothing all day. That's not true. That's not biblical. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible nowhere suggests that working will not continue in eternity. It will be different in that it, won't, it will not be burdensome like it is now, and hard oftentimes, and oftentimes a grind. When Jesus comes and makes all things new, we, it, the Bible indicates that we will still be working to some degree, But all will be right and it will not be burdensome. And if you ask anyone about work and you ask them, why do you work? What do you think the response often is? I work to make money. Because I need money to provide for my family or to get whatever it is that I want to get. Is money a bad thing? Absolutely not. Money is a good thing, but it can be the root of all evil. And it's actually a necessary thing. But if your view of work is I just need to make more money so that I can get things I want and to provide for my family, that is extremely inadequate. Because work is actually built into your DNA. Remember, the Ten Commandments help us to learn how life works best. It's for the proper working of the human machine so it gets at how you're made and how God has made us. And as people made in the image of God... Part of your DNA is to work. It's basic to humanity. We have this need in us to work. And we could spend a lot of time working this out, but we don't have time. But just think about this simple fact. Have you ever been around someone who has gotten fired? Or who has lost their job? Or who has had a long period of unemployment? What does that do to a person? It has an extreme effect on them emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And they actually begin to deteriorate because of that. And so you could just, and and I don't know if you've experienced that in your life, maybe in your own family, but look at what unemployment does to a person. And it's often not positive. It often affects them very deeply. That's just one example to think about. We have this basic human need to work. And so work is good. Has it been affected by sin? Yes, absolutely, and it's often hard. Um, But work is good. And I want you to think about now where you are as a student. Your work, your full-time job is a college student. That is your calling for this particular point in your life. And so here's an application question. How do you view your work? Do you view your work as a necessary evil in order to get to the really fun things in life? Or do you see it as, this is what God's called me to, this is really good. Or is it just simply, i got to get to the game day weekend, i got to get to the date party, and i got to focus on my social life. And if I'm real honest... I, one of my biggest regrets in college is not actually seeing my work as a student as something good and valuable. I didn't see my education as my calling at that point in my life as something good. And honestly, it really hurt me. And here's what I mean. I, I, I did fine in school. I did okay. But I was a crammer. I mean, I for three weeks... I was checked out. And then when it came time for the test, I stayed up all night crammed and just kind of survived and made it and did okay in the test and then asked me the next day after the test or 2 days after the test, I couldn't tell you a thing. I couldn't remember anything that I had studied. That's the way I lived and maybe you live that way too. And what we see here is when we do that, that is basically looking at our calling and at our work as something that's not good and not worth our time. It's not worth our time because we want to get to the weekend and get to the pleasure of life and all the fun stuff that we like. If you think that way and live that way like I did, that is a clear violation of the fourth commandment. Secondly, we see about work, that's the second subpoint. All legitimate human tasks are equally God given and equally spiritual. That's huge. Let me say it again. All legitimate human tasks or work are equally God given and equally spiritual. Martin Luther says it this way the humblest servant. For the humblest serving maid sweeping for the glory of God is just as honoring to God, just as infused with dignity as the greatest preacher in the world. The person sweeping the floors, he's saying, is just as dignified and honoring to God in what they're doing as the greatest preacher in the world. I didn't believe that either when I was sitting where you were sitting. What I thought was like the really spiritual people were the ones that were full-time missionaries and went and in, uh, in, into the ministry because that was the special forces and the really devoted people in the Christian life. That is not true, and that about destroyed me as well <laughs> because I, I didn't. I always thought there was this two-tier Christianity kind of thing going on. And in order to really please God, you had to be in full-time ministry. No. all this what, what we learn here about work is all legitimate work. Whatever it is that you're called to do and whatever God calls you to do and whatever your degree is, it's beautiful and it has great dignity and there is no staircase of spiritual jobs in God's kingdom. That is... I don't know about you... I hope that's encouraging. It would have been very encouraging for me when I was sitting where you were sitting. Because what it means is that if you flip burgers for a living, that yes, you're making money and providing for your family, but you're also reflecting and doing that God's provision in providing food for another person. It means that if you're a musician, that you're actually reflecting God's beauty because you're taking these notes that are chaotic and you're putting them together to make something really wonderful and really beautiful in sound. Or it means that if you're a stay-at-home mom and that's where God calls you, that that's a glorious calling because you actually reflect God's delight in His children as you play with your own and care for your own and protect your own. And God looks at that and smiles. Number two, rest, the rhythm of rest. Look at verses uh, 10 through 11. So what does it mean to rest? Well, if you look at those verses, there's the word Sabbath. What does the word Sabbath mean? It means to cease or to rest. In other words, to cease or to rest from the labor of what you have been doing for six days during the week. What is it that you normally do during the week as a college student? We could list a billion things as we sit here tonight. Let me just throw out a few. You do things like study. You do things like take tests, and you are in meetings, and you build your resume, and you build friendships, and you do internships, and... Worry about your image on the campus and with your friends and you try to protect that. And you worry about making good grades so that you can provide and have a stable future and get that job that you want to get. And God comes in this commandment and says, you need to stop doing those things for one day and make it distinctively different. And you need to spend that day in a special way with His people and with Him. The simple principle of the fourth commandment is this. Whatever you regularly do for six days, stop. Stop and rest. Why does God give us this commandment? Well, lots of people, they're... First reaction to this is saying, well, of course, we need to rest because we're exhausted and we need to get refreshed and we need to get revived and we need to recoup so that we can be ready to get up on Monday morning and do it all again. It certainly is that, okay? That is part of this commandment, but friends, it is way deeper and way more than just that, just getting refreshed and getting rested. Because what we see here is rest is a way of saying, and this is very important, and this is really, if you don't walk away with anything tonight, I want you to hear this. Rest is a way of saying by faith, all those things that I do for six days, whatever it is that you do in your life, that doesn't define me. That's not the sum total of who I am. That is not my righteousness. The Sabbath is a way of saying, I am not wrapped up. Who I am is not wrapped up in how much I get done. Who I am is not wrapped up in the grades that I make or the organizations that I'm a part of. Who I am is not wrapped up in how successful I am. The Sabbath allows you to say, who I am is wrapped up in God and who He says that I am. And so the Sabbath comes and it forces us to stop running to those things that we believe will help us get ahead in life and those things that we think will make us somebody. The Sabbath comes and says we stop doing those things and depend on Jesus. And so we rest. And as we rest, we declare our freedom. From the idols of the six days that we run after and bow down to. And we rest and delight in God. And when I ask students, oftentimes, why is it that you don't rest? And the knee-jerk reaction, and you know this, is what? I'm too busy. There's no way I can rest. Have you seen my schedule? And yes, that is true. Many of you are busy. But here's the main reason why you don't rest and honor the Sabbath. It's not because you're too busy. It's because you're too bu- Yeah, you are too busy. But too busy running after and bowing down to the idols that you are serving. Here's what I mean. I think it's important that you see the connection between rest and idolatry. We don't rest because we trust our idols to provide for us more than we trust Jesus. We trust our idols to give us status and secure our future and help make life work for us. Friends, not resting is a faith issue. You cannot rest because you cannot say no to the idols that you're holding on to in your life. You see, the heart of not resting is not busyness. It's unbelief. It's that deep down, you and I don't really believe that Jesus loves us. It's that deep down, we don't really believe He's going to take care of us. And so we put it on ourselves. And I do this, I'm with you. We put it on ourselves and we say, Jesus, I don't trust you, I've got this. I've got to make this happen. It is all up to me. And so we run ourselves ragged trying to control our life. And the Sabbath is calling us to trust Jesus with our future. To trust God with our school and with our social status. And one of the ways that we can honor Him is by living by faith and saying, I'm going to stop. For one day out of six. And I'm going to trust God and I'm not going to do the things that I do the other six days. And so you see what this means. It means that you can quit studying and actually trust Jesus with your grades because your grades do not define you. Jesus defines you. It means that you can stop running and playing the social game because you can trust Jesus because your popularity is not what defines you He defines you it means that you can actually stop checking your phone and actually turn it off and stop checking Instagram every five minutes to see how many likes you got because Jesus defines you, not how many likes you got on social media. So you can actually rest. It means that you can actually stop working out for a day. Because your body type and shape does not define you. Jesus defines you and your identity is in him. You see that's what makes Christianity the good news. You've heard me say this. It's not good advice, it's good news. And that's why it's such good news is that Jesus in His coming into the world is actually defined as rest. And that's what makes Christianity different than every other religion. Every other religion says, you're a sinner, God is holy, now get to work and make yourself acceptable to God. That sounds like misery, doesn't it? Christianity comes and says... God is holy. You're a sinner. But Jesus has come into the world and done what you and I could never do. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, and He died the death that we deserved. That is why Jesus on the cross, you ever thought about this? Right before He dies, remember what He cries out? It is finished. And what He means by saying that is everything you and I need to make us right with God, has been done for us. That is the hope of Christianity. That is where we rest in the Christian life. And we will never rest unless we finally get that and it makes its way down into our hearts. You see, the reason why we don't have to run after social status is because Jesus has come and given you the ultimate status. He's given you the status as His son or daughter and He looks at you and says, it is finished. You see, that's why the Sabbath, the day of rest, is now on Sunday. Because we begin the work week and we come and we gather with God's people in the local church, wherever church, if you go to church, and we hear from the Bible and we sing songs and maybe we take the Lord's Supper And we're reminded that Jesus has done it all, that he has paid the ultimate price and that we can finally and fully rest in his finished work. And so then we move out into the work week with joy and with gratitude, knowing that it is done and that it is finished. There's a campus minister by the name of Ricky Jones. He's actually, he was a... Uh, campus minister at Mississippi State for many years. He's a church planner in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he's also written a book, Too Good to Be True. And in his book uh, that just came out fairly recently, he tells this great story. I, I, I love the way he puts this. But he's basically, he's, he had a really difficult time uh, at one point in his work, in his ministry. And he said he was just completely exhausted, and he basically went before God and was praying. And just said, Jesus, I am so sorry. I couldn't get it done for you. I'm a complete failure. I've tried as hard as I possibly can, and it is not enough. And he said, in that moment, he was reminded it was as if Jesus was looking at him and saying, Ricky, you're in the band. You want to be the quarterback. You want to be the center of attention. You want to make a name for yourself. You want to be out there calling the plays. But you're in the band. Play the instrument. Do what you're called to do. Celebrate the victory that I have already won for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the victory is already won? That... Your salvation from beginning to end is all grace. And it is everything to do with Him and nothing to do with you. Do you believe that it is truly finished? How you treat the Sabbath shows whether or not you believe that. Friends, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus invites us to come to him tonight. Let's pray.